welcome to the Union Hack, a podcast by Dave Ingay. All views of my own or those of my guests and don't necessarily represent the views of the organisations we're affiliated to. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Union Hack. Today we're going to talk about pay, particularly teachers pay and how teachers pay is negotiated how it's decided upon by by the government many people incorrectly many teachers believe we negotiate say we the teachers and trade unions negotiate directly with the government over pay that's not true and hasn't been the case for quite a long time so we're going to talk a little bit about the process behind um pay and how it's decided, and how how they come to the figures they do, which are often pitiful, and actually since 2010 have effectively been pay freezes and pay cuts. So since 1991, a, a review body has, has been in place. It's apparently independent of government. I say independently, but I think uh, their independence could be called into question many, many times. It's called the SCRB, the School Teachers Review Body. Like many other public sector bodies, pay is decided by an independent review body. Local authority pay, so particularly support staff pay, which is linked to local authority pay, that isn't decided in that way. That is negotiated with local authorities as a group and trade unions. Um, the NEU isn't one. It's the unions in you like GMB. Um, and I think PCS might have, have a role, but that's one for another podcast. We're talking about teachers' pay. So... The STRB. The STRB came out in 1991. So I heard uh, the other day it was 1986-87. According to the government website, it's 1991. Whether it's 1987-1988-1991, it really doesn't matter. It's been a long time. So that's, I think they've just produced their 31st report. So the report that was published at the end of July this year, 2021, so this year, last year, this academic year, that was their 31st report. That's more than nearly everyone in the teaching profession have been teaching, have been in the profession. So there's very few people in the profession now who actually remember what it was like when trade unions negotiated directly with government. Now, they would say that it's independent of government and it it takes away their, sort of their responsibilities, not responsibilities, their... Um, their bias, I suppose, uh, makes it easier uh, for decisions to be made because there's no arguing, there's no um, long-winded negotiations. Um, but the reality is that nine times out of ten, probably nine times out of, out of 100, if we continue the system, the STRB agrees with the government. They hold the purse strings, they set the remit for the STRB, they appoint the members to the STRB, and at the end of the whole process, if they don't like what the SGRB say, they can just choose to not implement it and do what they want anyway. So it really is a bad thing for the profession. It really puts all the cards um, in favour of the government of the day, whether it be Labour, Coalition, Lib Dem, Tory, whatever it is. At the moment we've got Tory government, but uh, the, the SGRB system favours very heavily in favour of the government. So before we sort of delve into who who these people are, the STRB, it's a panel um, compromising eight people. There's eight people on the panel. 
And now let's just have a little talk about how the process works. The, the STRB, they're entirely appointed by their government. So the other people involved in negotiation or submissions to the STRB, so the NEU, NESUWT, NEHT, ASCOL, uh, people like that, they have no say in who sits on the STRB. So they're appointed by the government. Every year, around December time, the government gives the STRB a remit as to what they think should happen with teachers' pay, and that includes an annual cost of living pay rise. So they can say to the STRB, this is what we want you to look at. Well, that's not really independent, is it? Because they're saying to the STRB, this is exactly what we want you to look at. Um, and, for example, this year they said they don't think there should be a catch-up pay rise in terms of um, the fact that wages have been frozen uh, since 2010. They don't believe there should be a catch-up uh, in terms of wages to make up the years of wage stagnation. So, again, that's the government basically pre-warned the SGRB saying, "Just this is what we need to do. Between January and May, uh, they take evidence from the government. So the government writes them, they give them, they give them their remit, they then give them evidence, and they also take evidence from other people like um, the NEU, NSU, UWT, um, all the different sort of trade unions, some local authority representatives, they all give evidence to the uh, to the STRB. Then the STRB looks at what's happening around with uh, teacher recruitment, inflation, look at other professions, and then they make recommendations. In the summer term, usually around May, the government then puts a report to Parliament. Um, the STRB generally writes to the uh, the government around May time. And then what happens is the Education Secretary sits on the report. Then I hold on to this report and you keep asking, where's the report, where's the report, where's the report? And they always say, it'll be published in due, due time. In due course, it'll be published. And lo and behold, every year, the first day of the school holidays, boof, there's your report. There's the report that says you're not getting a pay rise. And it's not just about pay rises. It's also about um, your working conditions. So it could be about PPA, number of directed hours, um, all these sorts of things are all included in the STRB report. They write what's called the blue book, the school teachers' uh, pay conditions document. The STRB produced that. So it actually gives schools no time whatsoever to implement any changes that might be contained in the blue book. It might say schools need to get rid of PPA time or schools need to increase PPA time. That would be a thing, wouldn't it? And uh, that would be amazing. That's not going to happen. Uh, don't ask me for lottery numbers, but I know that's not going to happen. But if major changes need to happen, then they produce a report on the first two holidays that gives school leaders uh, the hot school holidays, the time they've booked off and everyone's off to put those changes into place. It might mean, might mean a change of staffing structure, might need more staff, fewer staff, all these things, but it, it gives them no time to implement those, those changes, really. Um, any wage increase, say any, it's been a bit pitiful re recently, so in 2010 really, then that comes in place in September. As it's all set out in school teacher pay conditions, document what's called STPCD or the blue book as it's commonly known because it used to be blue. Now, the exact timeline is around, it was this year in December, the government uh, wrote to the STRB, set out their aim, what they wanted to do. Then from the 16th of February, they'll start getting written uh, submissions from all parties um, and they don't, they say they don't treat one um, more favourably over another, but they generally rule in favour of the government, and the unions generally speak with one voice. 
there's usually minor nuances between uh, different positions just so each union can assert their independence but they pretty much sing from the same song sheet then around the 9th of march um there's supplementary sub- submissions so after 16th of february um the submissions all the submissions get given and then around the 9th of march um other people can reply to the dfe evidence whatever the dfe have said uh the, the other stakeholders get a chance to respond and 28th of March is all evidence given to the SGRB. And then so on the 31st of March, the SGRB gets a report to the DFE. And they guarantee that it says it's confident. I've got my notes in front of me, so it's confidential, which means the government are going to sit on it for as long as they can. And say, first day of the school holidays, bang, you can guarantee there's your report. When no one is thinking about it whatsoever. Classic, classic distraction technique. You know, so you're not thinking about pay, you're not thinking about pay. Um, oh, so, um, yeah, um, you're not getting any pay this year. Then come September, everyone's angry about it, but it's too late to do anything. Um, and the government just say, oh, the SGRB are independent, it's nothing to do with us, nothing to do with us. Uh, but you can guarantee if the SGRB said 10% pay rise, the government say, well, uh, sorry, we're, um, we're not funding that. So it's really not independent. And when you look at... Uh, comparison to other independent pay bodies, for example, IPSA, the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, um, it continually recommends big pay rises for MPs, then one has to start questioning if all pay review bodies are equal, some are more equal than others. So this year, this academic year, Nadim Zawawi has called for a two-year paywall for teachers, so he wants the SDRB to say what a pay will be this, year, this September and the following September. And he wants um, starting salaries to be increased to £30,000 by September uh, 2023. That's an increase of 8% on M1 uh, for two years. But he wants smaller increases on other points. So it's great that you know, starting salaries should be increased to £30,000. When I started teaching, I'd, it was very difficult to make ends meet. Um, I wasn't poor. I'm not saying I was, I was poor. I wasn't on minimum wage. But from what I had to do for my job and how I had to live... Um, I found it very, very difficult, um, and for the hours I had to work, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So thirty thousand pound welcome. However, um, actually, I think all wages should go up by that much, um, considering people at the top of the pace plan haven't had a pay rise in a long, long time. Everything's going up around us, and surely everyone deserves a pay rise of eight um, percent. That would certainly help with the rising gas prices, and rising fuel costs, rising food costs, all these sorts of things. That's roughly what the government say. We'll find out in um, probably 21st of July, usually when it is. First day of school holidays, what the SDRB wants. I know the NEU think an 8% pay rise for everyone is is due, and that's what we want, and that's what we, the NEU is campaigning for. The government aren't pushing for that. They want to do something different. And I think, unless there's a significant amount of pressure, I think we're going to find the SDRB rules in favour of the government once again. It shows just how not impartial, not independent the SDRB is. Bear in mind, they're all appointed by the government as well, um, so they can just replace them. So let's have a look. Who is Who are these people in the SDRB? So we've got the chair of Dr. Mike Aldred, and Harriet Kemp, Mark Cornelius, Lynn Lawrence, John Lakin, Dr. Andrew Waller, Martin Post, and Claire Tunbridge. Now, all this information is available on the government website. This is where I got it from. 
I have my own opinions on these people. I'm not trying to be slanderous. Um, just going to read you a little bit of their few of their their bios. So there'd be something missing um, from from all their bios. So let's start with the chair, Mike, Mr. Mike Aldred, Dr. Mike Aldred. Was it Dr. Mike Aldred? It was Dr. Mike Aldred. Should give the man his, his proper title, really. Dr. Mike Aldred. So his experience in HR and remuneration performance management. He was a HR director for Standard Charter Bank till 2010. Before that, he served as the HR consultant with PricewaterhouseCoopers before he moved to Barclays. He's done lots of HR stuff, more about remuneration. Um, he's a maths, got his doctorate in maths. Obviously very good with maths, which is pretty handy when you're talking about pay. And he is, a, a, he's on the board, Academy Trust Board. Of course he's on the Academy Trust Board because the government likes the Academy, so why would you not have someone on an Academy Trust Board and bear in mind, Academy Trust Boards are all self-appointed. Why do you not have them on your pay review body? That shows just how independent we are here. His remit, he was appointed last year, and his term of office runs till September 2024. It can be extended, and often is. And we've got Mr. Mike Cornelius. So he retired from the Prudential Regulation Authority, which is part of the Bank of England. He was head of the division that regulates and supervises the major life insurance groups in the UK. Uh, before that, he was the bank's chief press officer for three and a half years. All banking and finance, and it, it, actually, he's never in the classroom in his life. He's not a teacher. Moving on to Harriet, Harriet Kemp. So she's an independent consultant. So independent, remember? They're all independent. She provides advice and support on all aspects of reward and benefits to a number of private sector organisations. Uh, private sector need pay rises, we need pay rises. Before that, she's director of group reward and people processes at Compass Group. But again, she's not a teacher, so we've got these people who aren't teachers judging on what teachers should get. Surely it'll be fair to have a couple of teachers on the board. Um, so she was appointed in 2018 and reappointed in 2021, and she's on there till September 2024. Then we move on to the next guy, John, John Lakin. He was appointed as a member of the Education, Skills and Funding Agency in 2018. Uh, education management and consulting is his background, not an education, education management. Works for PricewaterhouseCoopers, 23 years, bit of a theme here. He was a partner responsible for education, children's services and for public policy, researcher and economics. Before that, he was a local authority education officer and auditor in London, but still not been, he's not been in the classroom. He's done various things with children's services, which is close, but um, yeah, he's still not been a teacher. So then next one is Lynn Lawrence. So she sits on the chair of the challenge committee at the Sitting Bourne School, which is part of the Swell Academy Trust, provides educational advice and expertise. To be fair to her, she was a head teacher of 16 years in three primary schools, which is which is helpful, and she's worked in the value of a teacher for the local authority. To be fair to her, she has been a head teacher, so that hopefully that, that might that might advance in our favour. Uh, although the fact she's been appointed by the Conservative government to their pay review body for teachers doesn't inspire me with confidence. They're not really going to put people on their pay review body who are going to do what they don't want them to do. Let's move on. We've got Martin. So he's a he's a director of strategic development and as uh, strategic development of the Aspirations Academies Trust. And of course, the uh, the government love academies, so of course they're going to have their academies 
Academy people on the unpaid review body. He's a regional schools commissioner for northwest London and south central London. Well, of course, he's a regional schools commissioner. He's responsible for schools becoming academies and they have targets. And it's easier to become an academy if you keep the pay pay low. If the pay is low in the workforce, you can make more profit. I appreciate academies are not for profit, but there's ways and means of siphoning off money, creating companies, etc., etc. There's money. There's certainly a lot of money to be made in the academy sector. That's um, one for another, another podcast. His term ends October this year. October 2022, he was appointed in 2019. They obviously serve a, a three-year term. Uh, but again, he's, he's not. He was a headmaster, actually. He was headmaster of Watford Grammar School. So again, he's been in education. Um, he's a founding trustee of the Teacher Development Trust. But again, if the government have appointed him to their pay review body, I don't think they're going to appoint someone who's going to not do what they want him to do. Otherwise, he won't get his term extended. The last one is Claire Tunbridge. Now, she's got over 20 years' experience. No, not in education. She's not done anything in education, really. In fact, she hasn't done anything in education. Her experience is in reward management with private companies that do RWE and Empower. And she has provided with her... She's provided her... Given her a wealth of knowledge in all aspects of remuneration and reward design. And she won, won an award for it, apparently. And they shouldn't win, win, win an award for it. She she worked at, uh, she was head of reward and pensions at a company. And she's now a financial coach, the Octopus Money Coach. According to a LinkedIn profile, an, an Octopus Money Coach. So a money coach basically uh, tells you how to make your money go further and how to use employee benefits. Well, you talk to teachers, people who work in schools, they don't want the money to go further. The way to make the money go further is to give them a pay rise. The money's not going further because inflation is going up and our wages are not. Last one is Dr. Andrew Waller. Again, various HR roles, different private companies, Unilever since 2019. Been a HR bod, uh, HR business partner in home care and different organisations. He's a school governor, fair play to him, school governor, um, which is some experience in education, but doesn't make him a teacher and he's not been a teacher. They've got two teachers on a team of... And there's eight people. We've got two people who have direct education experience. Um, but they've since moved on to other things. Now, I don't think they're independent. I would actively and openly challenge the independence of the STRB. And I think it's right that, that, that you do too. I think we should be writing to our MPs and, and writing to the STRB, asking them to prove their independence. And I think if they're truly independent, they will look at how much pay has gone or hasn't gone up since 2010, and how much inflation has has risen, how much our pay hasn't. I mean, we're now looking that you know, it, it, teachers' pay has fallen 17% in real terms in 2010. So there's a six grand gap from where teachers' pay is and teachers' pay should be. So the top of the main scale, which is M6, that's the main, the main scale. So at the moment it's, according to the STRB report 2021, we're talking about the STRB, it is... £36,961. That is what the teacher at the top of the pay spine earns. Bear in mind, they now want to start a pay at £30,000. So if they started at £30,000 and didn't increase M6, that means over the course of six years, which is what it takes really to get from M1 to M6, your pay is going to go up by six grand. That's not really a lot. 
Um, certainly it's got a lot more than that. And see, you're paying for experience. You, you want to earn more money because you're an experienced teacher. You can give more to school. Uh, you provide um, a, a better yeah, better quality teacher, I suppose, because you know what you're doing. You're more experienced. You, you have a wealth experience to fall back on. You know what you're doing um, in the job. So you should be paid for the experience. Well, had pay kept up with inflation, had the SGRB been truly independent and, and just at least kept pay with inflation, it would be £43,218. So that's a gap of £6,257. That's how much teacher pay has lagged. Now, if that trend continues, bear in mind inflation is currently going up quite significantly, um, if that trend continues, then teacher's pay is going to just fall behind. Um, and the the gap would, would just get bigger year on year. So it could be 6000 this year, next year another 6000 that's £12,000. Uh, it's fallen behind. Uh, following year, £18,000. If that gap continues and I expect the gap to get gap will get wider because I don't believe the government are going to uh they're not going to make up the gap um so teachers are, are losing out a huge sum of money um huge sums of money and and it filters down throughout the profession because I'm not I believe you know all, all people in education should should have a fair pay rise whether you're a, a teacher a lecturer whether you work in a sixth form college whether you're a member of support staff uh, whether you remember whether whether you're a, a, a supply teacher all the people should be getting a decent pay rise, but teachers it is well the standard is set. Um, I'm going to do another podcast on on support staff pay. I think that the support staff pay is criminally low. Uh, it's almost poverty wages in in many respects. That's one for another podcast. And I've I've done an episode on supply teacher pay and um, the rip off agency model that that that. You, know, you can go to school three hundred pound a day, and a teacher doesn't see that. A teacher might see one hundred and ten, hundred twenty pound a day. So, uh, a supply and she's making you know, one hundred fifty, hundred eighty pound profit a day off a supply teacher, um, and the whole thing just filters down. So, realistically, you know, I mean, teachers need a pay rise in live inflation, and people keep saying, "What is? What are my unions doing about it? Why aren't you going to tell the government we need a bigger pay rise?" And the answer is, "Well, we are. We're locked into this stupid pay review body system, and I will call it a stupid pay review body system because it is outdated. And if you're going to have a pay review body system, then make it fair and make it independent, and actually look at the cost of living. And actually, if MPs can continually get a wage increase, then surely." Teachers should get a pay increase. Exactly the same. NHS staff, again, should be getting a pay increase. Police, any of police, prison officers, any other public sector worker should be getting a pay increase. Now, when you're a teacher, you can't do overtime. It's very, there is no overtime. There's potentially revision clubs. You can do some revision clubs in these holidays. Uh, but you're so busy doing 50 60 hour week there's no time for overtime so it's not that you can earn any more money it's not like say oh i'll do some extra shifts um because the extra shifts aren't there because the school's open when school's open and teacher pay is just not keeping up with other graduate professions teachers are having their pay held back now you can talk about i i could talk about 
In fact, I could talk about one of the reasons why. I think the academy model has a lot to do with it, keeping wages low. Um, when the government finally decides that academies can, and free schools can openly make a profit, as opposed to being not-for-profit at the moment and, and making money in, in other ways, let's just say the CEOs of multi-academy trusts are generally not poor people, particularly the large multi-academy trusts, the CEOs of very large multi-academy trusts are not poor people. They've been paid a lot of money. Now, of course, if the wages of the, your workers are kept low and you get a set amount of money coming in from the government, then your biggest outgoing is the wage bill. If you can keep the wage bill smaller, you can maximise your profit in other areas. Call me a conspiracy theorist, give me a tinfoil hat but that's just my take on it so there we have it that is the strb model in about 25 26 minutes it's a flawed model i don't believe it's independent particularly when you're appointed by government and at the end of the whole process the government can say well we don't know what you said so this is what we can do anyway was that you want to give teachers an eight percent pay rise no we don't want to do that we can give them a one percent two percent pay rise so off you drop and so it gives gives education style, gives teachers very little comeback. And that's deliberate. That's a government deliberately abdicating their responsibilities, deliberately trying to suppress pay in the public sector. It has to change. We have to get rid of this outdated, flawed model. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe. That way you're never going to miss an episode. While you're at it, do please rate and review the podcast and also share it with your friends and colleagues and we get the message out there. And lastly, if you've got any suggestions about future interviews or you just want to get in contact with me, you can email me, theunionhack at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at The Union Hack or on Twitter at The Union Hack. See you next time. <laughs>